out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway on this Wednesday edition. Sixth and Peabody, our location, live across the Outkick Network, which includes this great radio partner, and live on YouTube, streaming live each and every day. You can subscribe to the Outkick channel. Search us out there. Once you find Outkick, hit subscribe, join any of the shows live or on demand, and join Chad in the chat while we're live 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Chad, good afternoon. Big show today. Always big, Hutton. Uh, the chat gives me life. It gives me the energy I need speed to get the through the three. show. gives speed me the energy the I need hours. from day to day. I just want everyone in that YouTube chat to know that you are my oxygen. Every day. Every day, they're my oxygen, Hutton. The only reason I'm here... Resuscitate chat. The only reason I Hashtag get through the day... Resuscitate chat. ...are the people who chat with me in the chat. The, yeah. I, it's the small things in life. Sometimes all we have are the small things. Oh, These you, are chat. one of the small things... We have each other. ...that I cherish every day. Hutton and I have each other. We rely on each other. I rely on you in the chat. Go to YouTube. Smash that like button. Search out the Outkick YouTube page. Watch our show every day from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Dan Dockich and Clay Travis on today's show. Dan joins us in 20 minutes, host of Don't At Me here on Outkick. Uh, Outkick founder Clay Travis joins us from New York. He's headed to the Yankees game tonight uh, with his kids. That should be cool. Um, he, he joins us coming up in a little over an hour. And the, the man that can tie a tie better than anyone, at least if you like massive knots and factor backs, Merrill Hodge on the show. Everything, every time I think of Mero, I think of the, the massive knot he could tie. In the, like the half tie. You know, if he opened his jacket, it would be like halfway down his, yeah. you know, his chest. Not full length. I, I feel like he was, so, he was so into the big tie on the tie yeah. that he was both ahead of that fad and behind, and behind it. <laughs> right? He was on both the front end of that fad yeah. with the huge tie knot yeah. and the back end of it. He loved it so much. That he carried it right on through. He persevered. He soldiered on beginning to end. Wanna, Alpha and Omega. I want to discuss Deion Sanders in a moment, but let's start with Bob Huggins' daughter, Jackie, who came out swinging against West Virginia. Chad, you read a portion of this as we wrapped up the show yesterday and a lengthy Facebook post where she called uh, the university's uh, decision makers, stakeholders in the university, cowards, backstabbers, hypocrites for not having her father's back on these recent DUI charges and instead uh, forcing his resignation in retirement uh, with, within a matter of hours of the news getting out that he had been um, cited for uh, DUI, charged with DUI in Pittsburgh late, or I would say early evening on Friday over the, or this past weekend. Uh, Gordon Gee, the board of directors and others were, were on the hit list for this passionate post, emotional post. But Chad, as I read through it, I'm thinking, you can't just gloss over the fact that this has happened after Bob Huggins went on Cincinnati radio, uh, what, two months ago now, and nearly two months ago now, and said what he said, not once but twice, doubled down on it. And at that point, the university had his back. They didn't get rid of him. They issued a very short statement. They, were the, they, they issued his statement on their university letterhead and gave him a document pay, went from $4 million to $3 million, docked his contract, if you want to call it that, where it became a year-to-year -year contract, and he had to go through counseling and do different things, but kept his job. And that was that. 
They addressed it, 24-hour news cycle, nothing. Nothing happened. And, you know, re reports or rumors, the, the thought was by some around the program and covering uh, the, the conference that this was going to be his last year anyway. That they were going to coach, he was going to coach through this year and then retire. And then the DUI happens and they force his hand. It, it is, it is a, it's just a sad way that Huggins has gone out as a Naismith Hall of Famer and 900 plus wins, 16 years at his alma mater, and to have these back to back issues uh, arise where it's clear she's saying, his, his daughter's saying he doesn't have a, he's not an alcoholic. He drinks like 90% of those on the board, specifically pointing them out, calling them hypocrites. But there's clearly a problem here. And West Virginia, after sticking by him, couldn't do it in this case. He didn't know where he was. 7 o'clock, 7.30. His receipt that he was handing over to police was, uh, was time-stamped at like noon. And from that point to 7 o'clock, he could not really explain where he had been and why he had a shredded tire in Pittsburgh where he thought he was in Columbus. When you start an Instagram rant with, I know the severity of this and how many lives it could have impacted and how many lives it has impacted, but let me tell you the real story about this. You've already lost. And Bob Huggins' daughter already lost in this. Why? Because she decided to take it to social media. Here is a good rule of thumb for the relative of a sports figure or public figure in any way. When there is a scandal, when something bad is happening personally or professionally with that celebrity, that is the time not for you to take to Instagram, but to be quiet. Yes. It is the time to be quiet. Bob Huggins would tell his daughter this, I'm sure. I, Bob Huggins loves his daughter, loves the fact that she's defending her dad, all of that, I'm sure, and is appreciative of it. But now is not the time to go on a rant on social media because I don't know, but what she's saying could be, a million percent true. Everything about E. Gordon Gee could be true. Everything about the West Virginia board could be true. All the stuff about raising money for cancer research, the local hospital, everything else she laid out could be completely true and, and probably is. But what's also true is your dad, seemingly drunk in the morning on a Cincinnati radio show, used homophobic slurs not once but twice. Most of America thought that he'd be fired after that. Instead, he was given a slap on the wrist. And then shortly after that, he was picked up in Pittsburgh on a flat tire, thinking he was in Columbus, Ohio, not knowing where he was, with beer cans in the floor, which you claim is because he's really kind to the earth and likes to recycle. Okay, whatever. Captain, Captain America. Captain, Captain, Captain Environment Planet. Bob Huggins likes to recycle. Okay, fine. Again, maybe the truth. Point blank. Do not take to social media. Family members. We've seen this with Brian Kelly's daughter. We've seen this with other coaches' family members. Just be quiet. Coaches will tell you this. Be quiet. It's not the time to talk about this. Now, if your relative you think is just getting completely railroaded and did absolutely nothing wrong, maybe. But that's not the case here. Bob Huggins has done plenty to deserve his firing, his forced retirement, whatever you want to call it, whatever it was. He's earned that. He earned it on his own. He's done a lot of good things, I'm sure. I'm sure she's right about that. I'm sure deep down he's a very good person, and he's been a good dad to her. I have no doubts about that. But shut up. Don't speak. That's how you help the situation, is to be silent. 
Well, and she says that they, the school gave him a 30-minute ultimatum, resign or be fired, and provided an explanation as to why uh, he had, and they just pointed to, he had numerous beer cans in the car. That, that was what she said. Um, and Chad, you pointed out, she goes on to say he recycles, collects these cans. Whatever. Anyone who knows my dad knows that he collects cans to recycle. He's always done that. Yeah, and, and also the, uh, the blood alcohol content, 0.21, the legal limit's 0.08. And again, they asked him more than 10 times, according to the police report, where he was and, and how he got there, where he thought he was, and he couldn't figure it out. Again, say whatever you want, but after having his back not that long ago, for this Cincinnati radio interview that he did in morning drive time. Chad, I don't know how the university could react in any other way. And not you want to set precedent and not be a hypocrite. I don't know how you cannot lay the foundation of what you're doing and how you're acting as a university when you're putting the athletics first instead of whatever values you want to point to for things that may or may not happen down the road or just to use it as an example, right? There are very few programs, and Chad pointed this out earlier whenever we were discussing the, the homophobic slurs that he used in Cincinnati. Very few programs would stand by their coach after that, the way West Virginia did. And the Mountaineer Athletic Program did. I don't know how she can't take that into account when seeing how things went down here. It, well, how, many, how many programs would we say at, the, at that level would it, do it that? It doesn't ever... The only thing that it services... When you take to social media as a relative of someone that goes through something like this, is it serves you. It makes you feel better. There, I said everything that I needed to say. I got it out there. I've defended my dad. Deflect. I'm pissed off at the university. I'm pissed off at the state of West Virginia. I'm pissed off at Mountaineer fans. I hate Gordon Gee. So now I feel better about myself. And in the long run, it just doesn't serve anyone well because it brings all this back up in the news cycle. And Bob Huggins, again, whatever you think of the guy, and I happen to like him as a coach and loved his team's identities and liked his personality and all that. He earned this forced retirement. And I don't care what West Virginia did you know, after this latest incident. They had every right to give him a 30-minute ultimatum, quite frankly. Because they had egg on their face by allowing him to keep his job after the first issue. Right. And everyone else in America, I was saying it, how many programs would have actually kept a coach that did this publicly in a radio interview? Not many. West Virginia was one of them. They were ridiculed for it. And his repayment for that was to do this. So yeah, they've got the right to say, you got 30 minutes, retire or we're firing you. I've got no issue with that. I do have issue with the daughter taking to social media. And I'm willing to bet, truth serum uh, with Bob Huggins, He'd probably tell you the same thing, that it's not the time for family members to take to social media. Chad, you don't have to give Deion Sanders true serum. He's going to tell you exactly how he feels. And let me go ahead and jump out there and say I am rooting for Deion Sanders to back up everything that he's been talking about since he took the job, not just at Jackson State and then left for Colorado, but everything he's been discussing on any, any topic or issue that he's asked about. Most recently... He is discussing with Sports Illustrated whether or not he could see himself coaching in the NFL. And he says, I'm cut different. I love Jerry Jones. I tremendously love that whole family. And then he goes on to say that he has old school attributes. 
I have a problem with men getting their checks and not doing their jobs. I would be too tough as a coach in the NFL because I still have those old school attributes. I and then he, another one was like, could you be an assistant for the Cowboys? I'm not an assistant coach. That's not me. I'm a head coach. I don't settle for mediocrity whatsoever. You're going to do it this way. We're going to work our butts off. We're going to be a team. The only thing that is an individual about you is the way we play. Chad, we were discussing college baseball and the celebrations and different things yesterday, and I pointed out the average age for a baseball coach at any level leading up to Major League Baseball. Um, the average age is 35. For the most part, we are seeing the end of the old school, quote unquote, coaching era. But still, the old school coaches are in college football. Alabama players all the time, year after year, this time of year, discuss how much easier practices are and the regiment is with their professional organization, even in New England, compared to the way it was in Tuscaloosa. And that's saying something. But I'm rooting for Dion because of the old school attributes. I appreciate it. It's going to rub people the wrong way. He's going to recruit a certain way. He's going to end up with really great athletes. And he's going to have to do it on one foot. So be it. He may have to have his foot amputated. He already had two toes amputated. Uh, he may have to have his foot amputated based on uh, what's going on there and it's not healing properly with his heel. But I'm, I'm sitting here going, he's cut different. He's old school. How long can that last across the college football landscape? It can last as long as Dion's willing to stick by it at any level. He did it at Jackson State. He's doing it at Colorado where he walked in and told the, told the team in the auditorium, most of you guys aren't going to be here because you're not good enough. I'm going to recruit over you. And he did. And now he's looking around going, I don't want to be in the NFL because I don't want to coach guys that don't want to be coached hard. I'm going to recruit players that want to join me, and that's it. I love this. And I, I'm willing to stick by what is going to be a tough stretch for him in year number one at Colorado. Because I think if he has success, we can actually see more of what we want and what we're passionate about, which is sports, and not the other prima donna, uh, diva BS that goes on, not just with NIL, but anything off the, off the field uh, in regards to clickbait and uh, social media stuff. I, I just think Dion's answering questions the way that he wants his program to reflect uh, through his own voice. And I just hope whatever he's saying, he can back up over the long haul. So I, I believe firmly that there are still more parents of kids going through high school football, about to play college football, that think like Deion Sanders than not. I, I think the baby Gronk dads of the world are pretty few and far between. They're out there. It's a part of our culture. There's no doubt about it. I'm not hiding from that. But I think at high-end athletics, there's a lot of old-school mentality with parents that raise kids that eventually become star athletes in college football. So that's still out there, and that will sell. What Deion Sanders is talking about and what he's doing – that's going to sell to a lot of parents out there. And to the right kid who's like-minded with Deion Sanders, it's going to sell to him. And if you're Colorado, that's what you want. You want values to align. And Deion Sanders, I think, is going to be the type that will see to it that his values will align with those that he brings in the program. We saw a massive purge of players on that roster so he could bring in guys he feels like from a talent standpoint and from a mindset standpoint yes. – 
match what he wants to do with the Buffalo's program. So I think that's where this is going to head. Now, with our broader society, is it more look at me? Is it softer? Is it this and that politically in America right now? Yeah, it's a lot of BS. But with high-end athletes, you still got a lot of old-school type thinkers. And Deion Sanders is one of them, and that's going to appeal to a lot of the parents of kids that he wants to recruit. And he's got to appeal also through winning. And I don't know if that happens in year one. It will take some patience. But they're going to be better off because of it. And I like Deion's approach with all of it. I do too. Dan Dockett is next Go on Prime. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Glad you're with us. Wednesday edition coming up. Primary complaint. It's just around the corner. Clay Travis joins us in an hour. Live from New York. A lot to discuss with the founder of Outkick.com. Right now, one of the hosts on the Outkick Network. Joining us live, Dan Dockage, host of Don't At Me. He's with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on Outkick. Dan, good to see you. Hope things are well. Oh, yeah. I just got done working out. Got a big member guest this weekend. Are you kidding me? It's a monster, monster Wednesday through Sunday. Can't wait. Let's do it. Hey, yeah, you were right out front with us and said you didn't think West Virginia would fire Bob Huggins during the on, on the aftermath of the radio interview in Cincinnati. Do you think they rushed to judgment this past weekend based on how you viewed the program and Coach Huggins then compared to what happened now? Um, I, I, well, he had to get fired on this one. His daughters can complain all they want, but that's just, you know, that's just, uh, families doing things that the Krzyzewski daughters used to do. Mrs. Krzyzewski, the Knight family always did. I mean, anytime you get a longtime coach that's embedded in his little kingdom, you, you're married to the loudmouth wife and the loudmouth kids. It's just what happens. So yeah, yeah they had, I don't think they had any choice but to fire him. I don't think there was probably even any discussion once they got the police report and they saw what happened. It, here's a couple of things. And I used to tell Coach Knight this all the time, and he never listened to me. And I remember telling him, as soon as I leave Indiana, you're going to get your ass fired. And he did a couple of years later. But I always told him, you know, the people that are your bosses, I don't care if you're the coach that won three national championships. I don't care if you're Bob Huggins and the son of Morgantown. The people that are your bosses have egos. They do. You think you're getting over on them. Like Knight used to treat our athletic director, Clarence Doninger, awful and then act like in the locker room he got over on this guy. And I say, Coach, that dude's got an ego too. So if you're the athletic director and you're Gordon Gee, the president, and you tell this guy, look, you know, we're going to stand by you here. You've been mediocre as a coach. you got a nice class coming in. Uh, the last 10 years he's been mediocre. You, you – uh, you did this homophobic uh, slur that 90% of the people in West Virginia, we're going to stand by you, but we can't have this anymore. And I guarantee you, here's what happened. Big fat Huggins became little skinny uh, uh, Bob Huggins, olive oil from Popeye Huggins when he was in the meeting begging for his job. That's what Knight did. Knight drove out to the president at Indiana when he knew he was going to be fired, and he literally begged for his job. Huggins did the same thing, and he agreed to all of it. He agreed, you're not going to have any problem with me. I won't do this. Ba 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 ba. All in an effort to walk out of that meeting with his job. Well, guess what? He violated all of it. 
He embarrassed the president. He embarrassed the school. He embarrassed the team. And I don't want to hear this crap about how much Huggins loved his players. If Huggins loved West Virginia University and he loved his players and he loved his job, he would have respected all three and put his ass in an Uber or not gone out on a Saturday afternoon joyriding with beers. If he really loved them and really respected them and really wanted to coach them, he would, as a 69-year-old man, figured out how not to do what he did. He doesn't respect him. He thought he was bulletproof. He thought he could do whatever he wants. And next thing you know, he's fired. And now the whole Huggins family's bitching, whining, and moaning. And they can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. Dan Dockett's with us on Hot Mike. Hey, I, from, from this perspective, I, I, and you'll know better than us, but it is the, the opinion of many that this was going to be Huggins' final season anyway. And that it was going to be set up to where he, whoever's on his staff or someone else was coming in that was going to be the heir to Huggins at West Virginia. Had you heard that? And if so, do you think West Virginia sticks with that plan given the circumstances? No, I hadn't heard that. I really hadn't. I, I, all I had heard was that Huggins was reinvigorated. They, they put a ton of NIL money into it. Uh, there's a Serbian guy there. I can't remember his name, but he's a medical guy. And the football... Uh, uh, what the building and all that is named after him, and he gives a ton of money. And I was told that look out for West Virginia because the NIL money is there, and you saw it with all these transfer kids who are transferring. Why? You know what? For NIL money, Jonathan. So no, I really, I really hadn't heard that. Now, is that could that be true? Sure, absolutely. You think about his age. Uh, you think about. I don't know, lack of success, wanting to go out on a high note with a team that has a bunch of older guys, that certainly could have been true. As far as the succession, look, I would, were I, were I, West Virginia, like I know some of the guys that are Huggins' boys, I'd stay away from them. I'd stay away from anybody that's Huggins' boy because they participate in the same activities as Huggins. Trust me when I say this. I've been at... Final Four parties. I've been in uh, on Nike trips. Trust me, if anybody is like, well, this is Huggins' guy, I'm getting, I, I'm West Virginia, good. He's Huggins' guy. I hope he does a great job at whatever school he's at. I'm going and shooting big. I'm going for Jay Wright. I'm going for somebody that understands the world of college athletics. You're in a great league. You've got NIL money. You've got a fan base that's uh, okay, you know, when you're winning like every other fan base, let's go. You have big-time football, let's go. I'm swinging big, but I'm not hiring some dude just because Bob Huggins recommends him or he's one of Huggins' guys. I stay away from those guys. Let's get into it, Dan, because one of your guys is Dusty May at FAU. And already there's been reports about he's being contacted, and his one response to one reporter I saw was, I'm in the gym doing some stuff with my team, and I've got pretty much everyone coming back from a Final Four team at FAU. So I'm, I'm good with this job, but also just mentioned, I haven't been contacted by West Virginia. Just said I have not been contacted by them. Would this be the type of job that Dusty May might be interested in? You know, I took the West Virginia job in 2002 from Bowling Green, and it was a massive step up financially, league-wise. Um, I assume that if I'm Dusty May, I'm going to listen. Now, if I'm Dusty May, I'm also looking at Indiana and saying, wait a second here, Mike Day or uh, Mike Woodson is however old, 66, 67, whatever he is, um, and hasn't won uh, two years in. He's done well, but he hasn't set the world on fire. 
So I might be looking at that job. You go to West Virginia, man, you're swimming with some real sharks. And you know what? You're taking a risk. You better win big there to move on to Indiana, which I would assume a kid from Southern Indiana, Eastern Green High School uh, by Bloomington, that's the job that he would want. I hired Dusty, as I told you guys before, to be a manager at Indiana. So he's got all these ties. And if I'm Dusty, if he were going to call me, I would say, look, don't take the West Virginia job for any other reason than making it your lifelong job. Because if you're thinking about going in there, winning quick and getting out, maybe you can do it. But be very careful because those guys, those players, they came in there to play with Huggins. They didn't come in there to play for you. And if the, and, and Huggins is a, is a fink now. He'll screw you. He'll be in the background. He'll Calvin Sam, what Calvin Sampson was doing to me until I called everybody out on it. He'll screw you. He'll be in the back kind of screwing if it's not one of his guys. So I would want to know all of that. I'll go back. This goes back to 2002, fellas. When I took the West Virginia job, I knew that Huggins was lurking there. John Beeline replaced me the day Huggins got the job. Beeline calls me up, and I never heard John swear this much. Can you believe these dirty mother blankers uh, wanted you and me to clean this place up? And as soon as we leave, they hire that no good son of a blank, 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 Bob Huggins. They didn't want us to clean it. You know? So I would want to know everything about the situation in Morgantown with Huggins, because make no mistake, man, Huggins and his family, they'll be working against you hard every step of the way. Dan Dockich with us. Dan, take us a, a layer or two deeper on what's going on at Kentucky and, and Calipari because they, they lose out on the transfer portal this offseason. Now they're restructuring. They don't use the word collective. They don't use the word collective in the athletic department. Coach Cal is calling this new collective the La Familia Club because he's only going to go to people that he knows. And my guess is most of those guys are going to be former players of his that are in the NBA or have finished careers in the NBA. And they're going to help fund this La Familia Club. Chad and I love the name. I just don't know what took so long and why they won't use the word collective for the Kentucky basketball program. Well, here's why. Uh, Cal and Izzo, I'm going to give them both credit. They believe in rewarding the players that are there. They think that's how you build a championship team. You do the NIL by the strictest of NIL uh, language, which is name, image, and likeness once you're there. They both have said they're not going to buy players. They both have said they are not going to get players who want to come strictly because of a collective. Now, Indiana's different. Mike Woodson has admitted, look, we recruit great program. We recruit great history, great school, and NIL. All right. I, I love, and I'm anxious to see five years, three years, whatever is down the road, how successful uh, Izzo and or Huggins is doing it this way. The idea of a collective is illegal. It, it, it is basically saying we're going to get all this money and we're going to entice players to come. What they're saying is we're going to get all this money, we're going to get you to come, and we're going to tell you once you're here, once you're here. It's a bit of semantics, if you know what I mean. But I also understand, and I don't know Cal as well as I know Izzo. Izzo's the one guy, the one guy a few years ago when the Southern District of New York uh, opened an investigation into college basketball on this kid Bowen, who was right there from Flint, Michigan, and Izzo needed to get him. Izzo was the only guy that didn't acquiesce to the dad. He told the dad when the dad asked for money, kiss my backside, get out of here. Izzo did that. So Izzo, I believe, is trying to do by the book with the NIL. And here's what would scare me a little bit if I were coaches. At some point, at some point, 
Somebody in the NCAA or maybe the federal government is going to step in on this NIL entice, non-NIL, but collective deal. That's what I think Izzo and Calipari are thinking. And look, we don't want to be involved in none of this. We've been coaching long enough. We got enough money. We're in the Hall of Fame. Um, I admire him for doing it, if you want to know the truth. Is it, is it the right move in the, in the modern era of college basketball? Who the hell knows? Because Miami got to the Final Four uh, buying themselves a team. Florida Atlantic didn't buy nothing. San Diego State didn't buy nothing. UConn's guys maybe, but they were all there. They all returned for two or three years. So it's really interesting, football, basketball, what's going to happen and how you're going to be successful. I'm no Fran Frischilla, uh, but I have found myself watching highlights of Victor Wimbanyama uh, based on all the hype. <laughs> have you done the same thing? And do you agree with everyone that believes he's the next, quote-unquote, LeBron at 7'5", and a surefire baller for the next level? Absolutely not. Absolutely no chance. I look at his eyes. Same thing I said about Christmas Porzingis. Christmas Porzingis was Webinyana with more experience and bigger and stronger. No, absolutely not. I see a little kid. I see a little kid that in the NBA doesn't have a game. You got to have a game. What's your game? You know, uh, 15 to 20 guys are... Um, superstars, the rest are role players. What's his game? Is he a shooter? Is he a driver? Yeah, I know he's seven foot five and can cross people over. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. No, I look at that kid as a little kid. The NBA, to be a true superstar, you got to be an adult. You got to be a man. You got to get in the gym early. You got to stay late. Mike Krzyzewski, I had a chance to visit with him for a couple hours, actually, in his office before he coached the Olympic team. And he told me this. He had gone through trials and different things. And he said, I'm just absolutely astonished by how much these guys take care of their bodies, how much they work at it, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, all that crew. And I always, I thought about it. You know, a guy like Paul George, Paul George hasn't added to his game. He's a good player, but to be a great player, you got to add, you got to stay healthy, and you got to add to your game. I'm not, I will say this. Um, I said this about Porzingis. I think because he got lucky and he's going to an established place, where there's a culture in San, Di San Antonio. I don't think it'll end up the same, but I said about Porzingis, whoever drafted him is going to be in the lottery by the time they get rid of him. They're not going to get out of the lottery, and that came true. Here's the deal. Last 10 years, number one picks in the NBA draft, not one of them, not one, has elevated their franchise. Not one. You could argue maybe, maybe uh, the kid Edwards and Carl uh, Anthony Towns as both number one picks at least got Minnesota into the playoffs. But Minnesota had been in the playoffs. You got more bust. You got the Markel Fultz. You got the Anthony Bennett's. You got the Zion Williamson's uh, in there. None of them. It used to be you're the number one pick. Your program is elevated. Kate Cunningham, the Pistons still stink. So I'm anxious. I know we crown it, man. We crown these guys the next LeBron, the next this. I, I listen to my NBA friends who think he's great, but they say, what's his game? What, what is, he's going to be a point guard in the NBA? He's going to be a wing forward? What, 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 what is his game? And it's going to take him five, six, seven years before, you know, and he'll only be, what, 25 at that case, so maybe it'll get figured out. But it ain't going to happen early for that kid. He'll score some points. Hell, everybody scores some points. But it ain't going to happen early for that kid. I'm, not, I'm a seller, not a buyer. 7-5, everything's going to be awkward for, for a while, probably forever uh his game can't be if he's drafted that high and uh we'll we'll show a first pitch that he threw out a little bit later in the show dan uh you're always great man enjoy the show uh, each morning here on the network and of course whenever you join us on wednesdays 
I stink right now. I smell like my grandfather. I smell like a combination of sweat and sausage right now after the workout I just hey, did. Hey, make him proud and go to bed as soon as the sun goes down tonight, okay? Damn right. That's what I do. 9.30 <laughs> here in Indianapolis. I'm asleep. See you guys. Sweat Thank and sausage sounds like, he- sounds like heaven to me. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Dan. Appreciate yeah, you that. You just made Chad hungry. That's my every day. Sweat and sausage. Chad's turned on. That's going to be the name of my, auto- my autobiography. Sweat and sausage. <laughs> the Chad Withrow story. <laughs> Get ready. It's going to be a bestseller, I promise. Or the name of Clay's next book. Could be. Who knows? Clay's on with us later in the show. Primary complaints coming up next on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Always a good uh, time to catch up with Dan Dockich on Wednesday's chat. Clay's coming up soon. Plus, Dan, Dan brought it today. Merrill Hodge a bit later. He's going to bring it. Yeah, I've always been a big I miss him Merrill on, Hodge uh, fan. On the football coverage. Yeah, there's something about a NFL guy's coverage. or girl's just presence and voice yeah. that you're drawn to and you like. Merrill Hodge is one of those guys that when he was on TV or I'm hearing him talk about football, there's something very appealing about the sound of his voice talking football. It's hard to... Steeler. It's hard to quantify. It's just something about the way he talks about it that gets me excited. And the way he dressed, I'm saying. It was appealing even though I would never pull it off. Well, that's because you can't tie a tie at all, yeah. especially like that. But if I could, it wouldn't be like that. Actually, I bet if you could, Hutton, it would it'd look exactly like that because it's harder to tie a smaller <laughs> knot. Just wad it up. You and would just like have a Velcro it on. What is that, a, uh, a cravat? <laughs> uh, what is it? You know, they're talking about the tie that's on there? I just completely butchered the word, I'm sure. We'll Google it and find out. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking like Thurston Howe. Like an ascot? An ascot, yeah, okay. but there's something else too that's um, is one of those types of ties that I could see you pulling off. Yeah, if anyone asked me to uh, tie their tie, they would add me to their list of personal grievances. We we give you one a week. We air our top grievance of the week each week at this time. Primary complaint starts now. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Hot Mike's primary complaint. Guys, my primary complaint this week is the fascination with social media icons to the point where Livy Dunn is pointed out multiple times uh, during LSU's College Baseball World Series appearances, right? She's been there in Omaha. And I just feel like ESPN did this guy really wrong. They point her out in the crowd early on in the broadcast and then show show her signing an LSU hat. He looks a little like Steve Spurrier, by the way. You know, they, 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 they have built her up through her own social and, and name image likeness as a, a sex symbol. And then they show this guy looking down at the hat and it looks like he's you know looking down her shirt because he's towering over Livy. And I just... The memes that are going around about this innocent guy who's had who's an LSU fan sees Livy Dunn there and is getting something signed, probably for his son, you know, probably something very innocent, is now a meme that's going around on social, all because ESPN is showing Livy Dunn in the crowd of a college baseball World Series uh, bracket matchup where they want you to care because Livy Dunn cares. That's my primary complaint. This guy looks so much just like fun dad. 
Just looking at yeah. the picture of the Sweet guy croquis. with the croquis on and the the sunburn. I think those float. Those absolutely float. The Steve Spurrier look, the Hawaiian themed LSU shirt. Yeah, maybe he's just a big women's gymnastics fan, and he wanted to sure. autograph because he said that floor routine you pulled off in Athens, Georgia was one of my most memorable sports moments in history. A big fan of your gymnastics routine. Shame a guy for meeting her. Probably not, though. And, hey, he could have been multitasking. could have been looking down her shirt also <laughs> while getting the autograph. Who knows? <laughs> my primary complaint this week, it also stems from the College World Series and what I've seen in college baseball. But this is not just a college baseball problem. This is an epidemic across all levels of baseball and softball. It is the umpire who is incredibly slow to make the call with their hands. It is one thing to call ball or strike in a way that no one can hear it but maybe the batter and not even the pitcher, but I cannot stand it when the umpire makes a call on a ball strike but takes a solid five to ten seconds to stand up from their crouch and signal strike in the moment. I cannot stand that. Also in the field, if someone's safer out, give me the immediate signal. Don't just yell something that not everyone can hear and wait forever. This is not a guessing game. This is not for you to build anticipation of your call. Make the call both vocally and with your hand. This is out, and this is safe. I'm making the gestures for both right now. Do it immediately. Don't say one and then follow up with the other. Do it all at the same time. Save us all a little bit of grief. That is my primary complaint. Imagine working the scoreboard, and you're trying to figure out what the umpire's doing. Chad, would you, know? you like to see an umpire clock to help speed up the pace of the game? I'd like to see, well, not even umpire clock, just the common sense to do it all at once. And this happens in a lot of, uh, uh, th- this yeah. is my softball coaching coming back in too, but I'm like, make the call. Like, they could say something and it will take them forever to signal safe or out. It will. Ball or strike's not an issue for and me right now. some are very fast, but the, by and large, you're right. They, they live for the dramatics. So, I mean, you see it most of the time behind the plate. I've noticed it where it, the pitch looks perfect, but you don't see him do the strike call. You hear something, but I can't tell the difference in the moment, you know, with the ESPN mic that's down there somewhere, whether he said ball or strike. Yeah. I'm supposed to immediately pick up on it. Half of and it's I'm a waiting to hear people cheer one way or the other based yeah. on what he does when he stands up out of his crouch. You don't know what to do. Do it all at once. Well, a lot of people are asking for baseball to go to the robot umps. So I'll make this transition by talking about how I cannot stand automated messaging. Primarily, you call a pharmacy and you're just trying to get in touch with somebody. They make it to where there's so many different hoops you have to jump through. I was trying to, uh, yesterday, have a situation where they only filled one of the prescriptions that my doctor sent over for some eye drops. So I'm supposed to have two sets of eye drops, but I only get one. And then whenever I call them to try to let them know, hey, I did not get my full prescription and everything that I need, it took me three minutes just to actually get somebody on the phone after going through the hurdles. I mean, I've got several methods I try to use. I try to just start yelling as many uh, four-letter words as possible, thinking if that picks something up, it'll automatically send me there, hitting a bunch of different numbers. I think zero is typically the one that gets you to an actual live person. Four or five times, though. But that doesn't actually always work. This is frustrating. I'm with you. And it's I've noticed it's the same thing for cable companies, if you're ever having to deal with them, uh, phone providers or service providers. It's just one of those things that continues to aggravate me. And I think we've gotten to the point to where we could get past this, but no, we still have to deal with it. And that is my primary complaint. There has to be a... I'm with you. It's infuriating. There has to be a number that gets you directly through that no one knows. 
Oh, yes. Because I, like I, the, I, like I always, it's like a cheat any, code. Like a anytime secret, I'm talking to a pharmacist, a it's not like formula. it's ringing off. It, it, it's, it, they pick up by the third ring. They're ready. Someone's there. But you have to make it through the automated messaging. And I, I get so frustrated, Davey, and I'm with you. Sometimes I'll just over and over just say the word representative, representative, representative. And eventually it's like, okay, let me connect you. But it takes yeah. forever. Well, and they're, they're wanting you to type in so many different numbers like, oh, what's your date of birth? Like, enter this followed by the pound sign. And a, a lot of time it's a problem to where whatever they actually oh. ask you as far as their prompts doesn't cover it. It's like, I don't need to have a refill because this is the first time I'm getting that prescription and I don't have the prescription number because you didn't fill it in the first place. Chad and I try not to repeat primary complaints, and this has been a past one for mine, but on the, on the same tone with this. Uh, it, it doesn't happen with pharmacies, but what really just pisses me off is whenever you go through all of these hoops, you're typing in your your membership number, yeah, uh, your social, what, whatever they're asking you for. Blood type. Um, it, confirm your last name. Confirm the the last four digits of your social. You do all this, and you finally get through to the cable provider or the cell phone provider or whatever, and then they ask you for the same information again. Oh, when the when the actual person gets when on. the actual gets on, it's not on their screen, and you're, they're you're having. Thinking, to, Why did I do all that? Yeah, like I verified who I. It, you already have this information. You know who you're speaking with. Uh, I had to verify it by sending a blood sample. I tell you, it's worse about that. Direct TV or cable companies. Yes. When you go through the automated system, the account number is also like 17 digits. Yeah. You have to you have to make sure that you get it exactly right with a pound at the end. Then you get to it, and it's someone you can barely understand that's asking for all the information over again. Infuriating. Here's one. This is not a primary complaint, but a follow-up on a conversation we had with guns that is very much a complaint. The different places that will now ask for a tip. Had this happen to me today. Where? Went through a drive through car wash, and they had an attendant. It's, it's one of those you go up to the screen, put your card in, you pick which car wash you want. There's three different levels of it, right? And you just click the one you want. Well, I always just get the basic one and do it at the bottom. Now they have a guy that's there for no reason. I mean, I could do all this on my own. A guy that's standing there who just takes your card and puts it in, and he verbally says after you pick your car wash, there's a spot here for a tip that's on the screen. And I want to ask him to the are machine. Are you vacuuming my car, or what are you doing? Well, after it, this? Am I giving it to the machine I'm about to drive through? Yeah. Is it for the suds and the water? Is it, do I tip the AI? That's in this. I, that goes I gave you my time? conspiracy theory in this. There's no guarantee. And, I have no idea who the. But what did I do, money. Hutton? What did I do? Being the weakling that I am. Fifteen percent. One dollar. There was like a one dollar, two dollar, five dollar option, and it was like an eleven dollar, you know, base eight, nine, ten dollars, something like that. And I said, okay, one dollar, because the man is staring at me right there. He's right there next to me, looking at me. What is this guy going to do? He verbally said, "You'll now see a screen for a tip." And I'm thinking, you're not washing the car. If it was one of the places where they're out there washing your car, scrubbing it, yeah. fine. I'm about to drive it's, through a contraption that some corporation that owns this made, and you want me to oh. tip you for taking my card and placing it in the slot that I could have done? Well, just on that same, on that same uh, plane here, you pick your wash, right? It's about 15, I'm guessing $15, 20-something, and then like $26 for the maximum watch. I don't know what it was. But I, 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 actually, if you go through the, I think the goal there is to get you to pick the middle one and not the, not the worst one or the best one. They want you to go with the 26. But there's no guarantee. I don't know if I'm actually getting everything that's on that screen as I, get, as I go through this car wash. Yeah. Half the stuff is broken anyway. And then you don't have anybody to talk to other than the guy you just tipped. 
Yeah, you come out of there and you say, sir, I don't know know if the tire shine went all the way through on this one. I need to double check on this. Here's my receipt. I got this the second level of the car wash. I really, I only do it, I, and I know it's going to rain around around Nashville today, so I, I understood that part of it. But I wanted to vacuum my car out because now softball slowing down and there's dirt everywhere yeah, in this my guy car. Should. So I really just go through it because you get the unlimited vacuum at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing it more so I can go and vacuum it. Now that would have been a next level play, is to walk to the dude in khaki shorts. That's taking everyone's car. You know, I'll tip you in cash. And say, and you join hey, me I gave vacuum. you a dollar. If you want five more, I got a vacuum job for you over here in this Ford. I need you to go over here and vacuum my car out for me. I'll give you $5 cash right now. I should have played it that way. But of course, I'm not going to sit there when the guy's staring at the screen and give no tip on it. I mean, it's just such a pressure pack situation do you guys, where there doesn't need to be one. Do you guys judge people based on how dirty their car is? Friends. I try Friends. not to because mine is so dirty. So I know that if I'm if, if I'm judging, I'm being uh, judged. Cleanliness is cleanliness is next to godliness. How how clean is your car, Davey? It's pretty spotless. Okay. There's some people in the studio that have spotless cars. You're one of them. I no, not right. I tried to have one. I, it bugs me if it's not. Um, Davey says he does. I know Matt does. Matt, it's like uh, he just got it from like CarMax or he, he rented it at the airport. Mine's not so as clean close. as Matt. Matt has like nothing in his yeah, car nothing. at all. Most serial killers are clean, so he that, has that a, tracks for Matt. He has a hard copy of a map of the United States in his car. I love that. It's, he gets out lost. of his car like Tom Hanks at the end of Castaway when he's at the four-way stop and he yeah, like spreads out his relic. map on top of his truck and he's looking at it. Where am I going to go next? I-29 up to Iowa. That's where I'm headed. 150 years from now inside a museum they'll put gloves on to open this map that's inside of matt's car i feel so much better now that my car is cleaner on the inside but you also get in this perpetual cycle with kids where there's like old french fries in your car there's different snacks they've had and it piles up so much that you think if i clean it out it's going to go right back in so what's the point it's just never going to stop until they get old enough to not spill things everywhere i hear the kids are a game changer they really are davy they really are. Your we'll car will no longer be clean, Davey, when you... Uh, have one soon, as long as they're not watching Netflix with you. Davey, when you accept this date on Tinder and you pick up some step stepkids, you'll understand that your car will never be clean again. Promise. Should I, should I get one of the shirts that just says, I'm not the stepfather, I'm the father that stepped up? You seen those? Yes. You should absolutely do that, yes. <laughs> there was a shirt... That should a, be your Twitter bio. A dad at the softball game last night had a, a shirt he got for Father's Day that said softball dad, it's a baseball dad with bigger balls. And I thought, now that's clever. That's good. I want that for Father's Day next year. I may buy it for you for tomorrow if you wear it to the game. I'll wear it on the show. No, to the game. No one cares what I'm wearing. <laughs> there's no game tomorrow, so. Well, we'll have to wait there's a, week. a game soon. There's always a game soon. Coming up. Nick Saban discusses parody, not just with the SEC, but the college football playoff. And Matt Ariza, more litigation for the punt gods. That's next. <laughs> 